0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. New details in that weekend shooting in Vancouver that claimed the life of an innocent teenager and the man who was the intended target.
2: Another innocent bystander was also grazed by a bullet, and tonight he's talking about how he cheated death as people demand more accountability to end the violence. Grace Key reports.
3: Oh, yeah. The innocent 15-year-old bystander who was killed in the middle of a gun battle Saturday night in Vancouver has been identified as Alfred Wong. He was driving home with his parents when the shooting unfolded. Alfred was a gifted student and attended Pine Tree Secondary in Coquitlam. He was a member of the Coquitlam Christ Church of China and was on a swim team. On Reddit, a classmate wrote, My friend was a strong, smart, and loyal person. He was very trustworthy and would always be on time when it mattered. I loved him as a friend, not because of his achievement, but because of his personality himself. A stray bullet also grazed a Vancouver man's face as he was heading home. He did not want to be identified, and his voice has been altered. Then
4: I looked to my right. I saw a person wearing dark hoodie. He was just shooting straight ahead. And then I told my friend to hit the gas. And I looked to the left. There was uh, my rear driver's side window was uh, shattered. Uh, the police actually pointed out that there was, uh, there was a bullet hole in the headrest where I was sitting.
3: 23-year-old Kevin Whiteside, the intended target, was also killed. He had an extensive criminal history. His sister held his hand before he died. In a statement, she said, My brother was a beautiful young man. He was loving, caring, and protective. Premier John Horgan also commented on the shooting.
5: No stone should be left unturned as we find the uh, perpetrators of this heinous crime and bring them to justice.
3: Cash Heed, former BC Solicitor General, says there needs to be more accountability in the they province's crackdown on gangs.
6: They do not have a comprehensive strategy and they do not have one person that they can hold accountable to deal with this particular problem. That's because of the balkanized police system we have within the region and within British Columbia.
3: Fifty officers are working on the case as they continue to search for the gunman. Grace Key, Global News. We are getting a better idea tonight of how drivers in
1: Metro Vancouver might be charged under the region's proposed mobility pricing scheme. The money will fund major transportation projects on the Lower Mainland. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, the commission tasked with figuring out the best way to do it has the options narrowed down to two. Traffic.
7: Traffic. We all hate it, but what are we willing to pay to reduce the congestion? The commission, looking at the possibility of road pricing in the region, thinks we are. If it actually makes a difference in terms of the amount of time they have to spend uh, travelling each day, um, then they're prepared to think about it. Two options have been put forward. Region-wide tolling. Imagine charges to use every bridge or tunnel. Or distance-based travel. You pay for the kilometres you drive. Policies that work and that have been used around the world.
8: We're going to have to be willing and the leadership is going to have to be willing to take a hit on the front end. But the, but the funding that comes back on the backside, the revenues that will be gained, that can be used to build the transit system that we need. But voters in Metro Vancouver have been clear
7: about wanting to give more money to government for transit. Call it what you want, critics call road pricing a tax.
3: And if they want more of our money, They better hold another referendum, and they better hope they win this time.
7: While getting the public on board will be difficult, the biggest challenge might just be getting provincial politicians to play nice. The removal of the tolls from the Portman Bridge was a popular move for the NDP government. Mayors in the region know there are still major issues that need to be addressed before this plan will fly.
9: The affordability issue and uh, and the fairness issue. And, you know, I think different strategies to look at is how can you make sure that uh, that regions are paying more or getting more investment in transportation
7: infrastructure? Of the two options put forward, bridge and tunnel tolls have an advantage. Technical challenges with distance-based mobility pricing will require a much bigger buy-in from everyone. Commission has until April to approve its final report to the Mayor's Council. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: And Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the delicate dance the province is doing around this issue, Keith, as well as a few other transportation issues.
8: Yes, uh, so if, uh, Premier John Horgan had his first news conference of the new year today. He was pressed on the issue of road pricing, basically non-committal here. He's not committed to bringing in an enabling legislation to actually allow that to occur. But he also took the opportunity to remind mayors they've got to get their act together in terms of priorizing those transportation projects, which comes first and over what period of time. Here's the Premier.
5: What I do know is that we need to move quickly to meet the, do- the deadlines that have been put in place by the federal government in terms of having federal dollars, uh, 40% of uh, 40% from the province, 40% from the federal government, and 20% from the municipalities in the, in the metro region. They're responsible for raising that money. They have to come up with solutions on the 20%, and I'll wait for them to come to me before I pass a judgment.
8: Now, further confusing the matter is the new uh, chair over there, Derek Corrigan, the mayor of Burnaby, uh, questioning the priority of building the Broadway subway line and the Surrey Light Rail uh, as the top two uh, priorities for the mayors. That's sort of throwing a bit of a hand grenade into the whole conversation, and it may further exacerbate the problem, or it may solve the problem, finally get the mayors to come together and finally figure out which project should come first.
1: See what happens, Keith. Thank you.
8: All right. We've got some
2: breaking weather warnings for you now involving both wind and freezing rain, although not necessarily in the same place. Meteorologist Christy Gordon now joins us with a look at who's getting hit with what. Christy.
10: That's right, Chris. So a freezing rain warning was just issued for the Prince George region as reports of ice accumulating in that area started coming in. Now, the conditions are going to remain dangerous right through the evening hours tonight. Now, further south, we had warnings in place, freezing rain warnings for the south, but those have ended. But there still is a risk over higher terrain, especially the main mountain highways. There's a travel advisory still in effect for the Hala, for example. Next up, it's the wind warnings for much of the south coast. We have the potential of power outages possibly starting tonight. More on that when I come back.
2: All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Thanks very much, Christy. It's going to be months before the damaged overpass at 152nd Street and Highway 99 is fixed. Residents and merchants have had to deal with delays and detours ever since it was struck by an overheight vehicle in December. Jeff Hastings explains the delay and what merchants are saying about it.
5: It's been nearly six weeks since the transport truck hit the 152nd Street overpass on Highway 99 in South Surrey. It was like this huge boom, but it was an an explosion like I've never heard before. The driver is unhurt, but the damage is considerable. And if you ask locals, there's more than a lane of traffic missing now. Where are the workers fixing the bridge? The big reason for the delay is three damaged girders right below our feet, right here. They need to be replaced. They also need to be fabricated, and they won't be delivered until February. The Ministry of Transportation wouldn't give us anyone to interview about the delay, just a press release with a few details and news that the bridge won't be fixed until April, five months after the crash.
8: I find that extremely ridiculous. I figured a month, two months
5: at the most. A long time for local businesses to spend in the dark, trying to save money, writing with red ink as they wait for customers to come back.
8: We're not seeing the number of customers that are coming in. A lot of our regulars have told us, you know, certain peak hours of the day, like, you know, the after rush on the way home from work, it's an extra 15, 20 minutes if you live on that side of the overpass. There
5: hasn't been much of a lunch rush at Subway since December 4th.
8: It
3: affects us, our owner as well, because if we, they are not making much money, they also want less people working, right? Less hours. So it affects everyone. Even other stores are complaining too. Like, mostly people have got
5: 50%. It's been a lifesaver for the old undesirable Bailey Bridge on King George. Its replacement has been pushed back until after the overpass repair is complete. Jeff Hastings, Global News.
1: We now know when the man accused of killing Abbotsford police constable John Davidson will be going to trial. Oscar Arfman will face a jury next January. Tanya Beja joins us now from the newsroom with more on how they managed to arrive at that timeline. Tanya?
11: Well, Sophie, for serious crimes like a homicide, lawyers we spoke with today said it can take any range of time to get to court. They cited one murder case that took 10 years to get to trial. But the Supreme Court of Canada issued new guidelines. Provincial court cases should be resolved within 18 months. Superior court cases have up to 30 months. So the Arfman trial will meet that time frame. 65-year-old Oscar Arfin faces a first-degree murder charge following the death of Constable John Davidson last November. Now, while experts wouldn't speak to his case specifically, they did say it can take many months to prepare all of the material, including DNA and ballistics reports, that are needed for trials involving serious crimes.
0: If a serious case is getting to trial within 14 months, it, it indicates that all the parties within the criminal justice system the crown the defense and the judiciary are seriously trying to get the case tried within the jordan time limits and ensuring that the public has a verdict one way or the other in a timely manner
1: so Tanya, the trial won't happen until next january we also learned today that it will be held in new westminster
11: That's right, Sophie. New Westminster and Chilliwack were both options for this trial, but Arfman wants to be tried before a jury, and the New West Courthouse has more space to accommodate a jury. Also, with this being a high-profile case, they are expecting a big turnout, and we're told that the New West Courthouse may be better able to accommodate any unforeseen security challenges. Sophie and Chris, back to you.
1: All right, thanks for that, Tanya.
11: The province
1: announcing funding today for four affordable housing projects.
12: With these projects, we are providing opportunities for people
4: with low to moderate incomes in the downtown east side to find homes in
1: their community. The B.C. government allocating $83 million to build about 450 new units of affordable rental housing. The rents will range from $375 to about $1,300 a month. The money will come from the government's 2017 fall budget, part of a four-year commitment to spending $208 million on 1,700 units of rental housing.
2: Some tough talk today at an international summit on North Korea being held in Vancouver. Ministers from 20 nations vowing to pressure leader Kim Jong-un to abandon his country's nuclear weapons program. Paul Johnson is covering today's meeting. And, Paul, it was quite a show of solidarity today.
13: Chris Maximum pressure, that's the phrase that the U.S. Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, is using to describe what they want to do with ratcheting up the sanctions on North Korea. There's consensus here in Vancouver today that that's the way to go forward. But there are plenty of other powerful actors around the world that don't agree it's the right thing to do and don't think it's going to work.
5: You cannot and will not accept you as a nuclear state
13: no surprises from the American Secretary of State today the US and its allies won't have a new position on North Korea instead they'll double down on the old one dial up the sanctions and no talk until Pyongyang promises to give up its nukes. we cannot stand by and let this threat persist while there may be consensus among the countries here today the effectiveness of intensified sanctions is questionable The most important country to help that project succeed, China, isn't even here. And decades of threats like those have only resulted in North Korea getting the bomb and building more missiles. As a matter of
14: realism, we're not going to denuclearize North Korea in one fell swoop anytime soon.
13: U.S. bases out now! For many, denuclearization is a horse that's left the barn. Demonstrators today were calling for arms control
0: and dialogue.
8: I think if we really want peace, then um, we we have to
0: listen to what the Korean people themselves want and not just impose something that we decided here.
13: Though smaller than previous summits in Vancouver, a close look at the tight security around the convention center revealed all the signs of a major international summit. Whether this one is destined for the history books, though, is still an open question. Chris, here's an interesting thought. There's actually only one country that has ever voluntarily abandoned a nuclear arsenal that it developed, and that was South Africa at the end of the apartheid era. So for what they're trying to do with North Korea here, not only is this a big challenge, this would be a historic first.
2: Pretty tall order. All right, thanks very much. Paul Johnson reporting in Vancouver.
1: But first, the service industry is struggling to find people willing to work in bars and restaurants. And before you blame Metro Vancouver's affordability crisis, you might be surprised to know many in the industry blame themselves.
2: Jordan Armstrong has the story of one legendary restaurant struggling to survive and a change of attitude that might save it.
0: For 92 years, North Vancouver's Tomahawk restaurant has dished out generous portions of comfort food to its hungry customers.
13: Been coming for 30 years and it's still delicious, my friend.
14: Delicious.
0: But now it's the restaurant owner who's hungry, starving, really. How's everything? For kitchen labor.
14: As of December 29th, we've closed at uh, 4 p.m.
7: every night of the week now.
0: All because Chuck Chamberlain can't find enough staff. It's a puzzling problem. The dining room is usually full. Kitchen wages start at $20 an hour. But still, no takers.
14: I think most of them, the uh, college or uh, high school children, are going to what I call the big box restaurants. They're going to the milestones of the earls, the cactus cup, they have a, a different kind of atmosphere. Changing
0: the atmosphere is among the suggestions from the BC <laughs> Restaurant and Food Services Association to take a bite out of the province-wide labor shortage, pegged at 20,000 workers and growing. It's not always about the money. The celebrity chefs, they sort of prove this to our detriment, is that there's not a lot of work-life balance that is perceived in kitchens. And we can change that. So things like working four days of 10 hours rather than the traditional five of eight. A cultural rethink and reaching out to demographics beyond millennials. The industry hopes will be key ingredients in solving what it calls a pre-crisis. There's, a, there's pockets of workers that I don't think that we've even got to yet, and of course there's people that are retired. They would make great hosts in some of the restaurants. The Restaurant Association will refine its recipe of ideas and serve them up to the province next month. Chamberlain hopes solutions come soon, because the only other option for him would devastate his customers.
14: But if I can't get anybody, then yeah, it's, I, I hate to say it, and I, I, I hate giving up.
0: Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
1: Whistler is building a large new tourist attraction for this season. Whistler says it's Ice Kingdom is the largest winter installation ever built in the resort community, spanning... More than half a hectare. It features a snow castle, sculptures and an ice bar, along with interactive winter activities and entertainers. Twenty artisans from China, Sweden and Canada have been working on the park for more than a month. The opening day is February 3rd and it will run through April the 5th.
2: The RCMP racked up $90,000 in expenses during the investigation of a pair of suspected terrorists.
1: The sting eventually led to charges against John Nuttall and Amanda Caroti, But the case crumbled in court with withering criticism from the judge. Ramina Dea explains why the costs are only now coming to light. We're going to try and shoot and kill as many of them
5: as we can before we ourselves are shot and killed.
15: What did it cost taxpayers to take down two would-be terrorists in a monster RCMP investigation that lasted months?
0: It's pretty obvious that these people were not able to do this on their own.
15: After a a two-and-a-half-year fight, the BC Freedom of Information and Privacy Association has uncovered part of the bill. The RCMP spent over $900,000 on overtime for more than 200 staff. They also dropped over 90 grand on expenses, like clothing, food, and trips for John Nuttall and Amanda Caroti, The drug-addicted couple living on welfare in Surrey considered the masterminds of the terrorism plot to plant pressure cooker bombs at the legislature in 2013.
8: But for the
0: intervention of the, the RCMP... They would would never have, they might not have even gotten out of their basement apartment.
15: FIPA's numbers don't even include the cost of court time, which sources tell us works out to about $5,000 a day. The jury trial was five months long. Then there was the entrapment hearing, now the appeal.
6: If you have a stone, throw it. If you have a bomb, drop it.
15: The judge who threw out the terror convictions against Carodi and Nettle concluded the RCMP entrapped the couple and essentially lured the pair into committing a criminal offence by spending thousands of dollars on them. Crown is appealing. As the case drags on, FIPA says it won't stop until the RCMP reveal the entire cost of the investigation.
0: We need those
15: numbers, but it's in the millions. Ramina Dea, Global News.
2: There's been another needle pricking in Victoria, the third in the last week alone. This time a woman was stuck by a syringe while gardening. The victim reported it to police yesterday after calling them to the 700 block of Johnson Street where she found another needle sticking straight up out of the dirt in a planter. Police say it appears to have been deliberately placed in the soil that way. Anyone with information is asked to call Victoria Police or Crime Stoppers. The bridge under construction in Colombia has collapsed, killing at least nine workers and injuring five others. You can see the accident left huge cables and sections of the bridge lying in the valley below. The bridge was part of a highway that connects the capital to a southeastern city and was not yet open to the public.
1: People in a Southern California neighborhood are in shock tonight after the discovery of 13 children kept locked in filthy conditions by their parents.
2: The children were only found after one of them escaped and called 911. And tonight, the children's devastated aunt says she can't imagine the nightmare they've lived.
12: The arrest that went down here Sunday uncovered filthy conditions inside this house. David and Louise Turpin's 13 children, aged 2 to 29, malnourished, at least three of them shackled to furniture in dark rooms.
0: It seemed that the mother was perplexed as to why we were uh, at, at that residence.
12: Shocking to the outside world. Crazy, you never know who your neighbors are. Neighbors say there were hints the family was odd, but not to the point of concern.
3: They never were mean, but the vibe that I got was stay in your zone and we'll stay in our zone. That's the vibe I got.
12: The couple's 17-year-old daughter escaped through a window early Sunday and called for help. So malnourished, responding officers thought she was 10 years old. All of the children are being cared for now by medical personnel.
13: They're very uh, friendly. They're, um, they're very cooperative. And I believe that they're hopeful that life will get better for them uh, after this event.
12: NBC News spoke exclusively with Louise Turpin's brother and sister. They say she isolated herself from them.
15: We had really no connection with Louise in a long, long time since we were young.
12: Neighbors can't fathom what went on here and why.
7: No parents should
2: treat, ever treat their kids like that.
12: Kids who were rarely seen outside, and when they were, they were described as very thin and pale. The parents are being held on $9 million bail each and could face charges such as torture and child endangerment. In
1: Paris, California, Jennifer Bjorklund, NBC News. Perhaps the best view yet of that car that went airborne over the weekend in California and ended up lodged in the second floor of a dental office. We showed you this last night, the car hitting a median and flying into the building just seconds before a bus passes by. Well, that bus had a dash camera, and here's what it looked like from that angle. Police say the driver of the car admitted to using drugs remarkably neither he nor his passenger was seriously hurt no word on any charges
2: Cape Town South Africa could become the first major city in the world to run out of water the city of four million has been suffering from its worst drought in a century and reservoir levels have dropped to below 30 percent less than 20 percent of the water is considered usable residents have been asked to limit their consumption to 87 liters per person per day for comparison the average canadian uses 329 liters of water every day everyone dreading day zero when the taps could run dry
3: i think day zero is
10: going to happen whether the government wants to do it or not i think the water is going to run out
7: when we look at day zero and why are we looking at day zero are there no other alternatives other than to close up my hotel or switch off all the taps
2: Day zero is April 22nd, when authorities predict the taps will run dry. City officials are scrambling to build desalination plants and drill underground wells, but no one knows if they'll be done in time or if they'll provide enough water.
1: Gut-wrenching emotion today at the sentencing of the former doctor for the U.S. gymnastics team. One by one, Larry Nassar confronted by several of the young women he abused.
9: Predator, monster,
1: master manipulator,
9: repulsive liar. The names used to describe Larry Nasser at his sentencing hearing in Michigan today. He betrayed my trust, took advantage of my youth, and sexually abused me hundreds of times. I have
4: experienced
9: flashback
4: nightmares of the abuse. She took her own
9: life because she couldn't deal with the pain anymore. Kyle Stevens was just six when the abuse began. You used my body for six years for your own sexual gratification. Nasser, a family a friend. Shame, disgust,
12: and self-hatred brought me bouts of depression, anxiety, eating disorders.
9: The former head doctor for the Olympic gymnastics team pleaded guilty to multiple charges of child sexual abuse. Among his more than 150 accusers, Olympic gold medal winners Ali Raisman, Gabby Douglas, Michaela Maroney, and now Simone Biles, who went public on Monday. Sir, the victim's statements could last days, some pointing a finger at Nasser's former employers. It's horrifying that MSU and USA Gymnastics are not stepping up to the plate to admit their wrongdoing. USA Gymnastics says it reached out to the FBI soon after a complaint was made. While MSU says any suggestion that the university covered up Nasser's horrific conduct is simply false. In court today, Nasser's accusers looked their abuser in the eye. Little girls don't stay little forever. They grow into strong women that return to destroy your world. Nasser, head in his hands, at times visibly shaking. Nowhere to go and no choice but to listen. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News.
1: In Health Matters tonight, BC researchers are testing a groundbreaking treatment that could one day be a cure for type 1 diabetes. Linda Aylesworth explains how the treatment replaces damaged pancreatic cells with cells grown in a lab.
5: The best results have been uh, persons that have recruited through this program.
4: The focus of Dr. Thompson and Warnock's long medical careers has been to find a way to help type 1 diabetics create insulin, something their own pancreases can no longer do.
1: This idea has been worked on for decades, and one bit of research builds on another.
4: The goal at UBC and Vancouver General Hospital to turn embryonic stem cells into insulin-producing pancreatic cells.
1: Sometimes you go down a dead end, right? But even that gives you the knowledge in terms of a better path to take.
4: Now, California-based Viacite has come up with a promising way to create pancreatic cells in a lab, then enclose them inside an implantable pouch.
5: About uh, that length of business card and about half the width of a business card. Uh, This packet is implanted under the skin.
4: Because BC researchers have so much experience in this field, they've been asked to conduct some of the first human trials on patients like Stacy, who was diagnosed
10: 32 years ago. I'm always trying to keep my blood sugar levels in between 5 and 8. So all day long, I'm pricking my finger. So far, in animal
4: models, the pouch has reduced or eliminated the need for insulin injections.
5: The cells secrete insulin, and they regulate to the insulin level that is in the human body.
4: But will the implanted cells work as well in humans? Over the next two years, they'll be following 40 participants in BC and the United States to find out.
5: For me, it's exciting because it's another step along that very long journey that's been there for many years.
4: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Trying to get the door unlocked, but there's
6: mama bear.
1: So here's a dilemma, a baby bear trapped in a door car, door because mama bear, mama bear is not open. far away. We'll show you what happened after oh, the forecast. Okay. The door didn't stay but open.
2: First, you don't okay. succeed. Try, try again. We'll see how that works out. Okay, Christy's standing by. Earlier, we heard about uh, some yeah. ice storms, freezing rain, that kind of stuff. Let's find out what else is going on, Christy.
10: Yeah, so we talked about the freezing rain. That's still a possibility over southern regions. Just higher elevations. It's just a risk. Really, the warnings have ended. But it's the wind warnings that really are going to affect all of the south coast. So I'll show you which areas will be affected Uh, in a second. I just wanted to quickly point out a number of lightning strikes. So a few people uh, tweeted me today to say, hey, I just saw a clap of of, uh, thunder and uh, some reports of hail. But it was brief. Really, it's this system here that is set to push in. We will see it starting overnight tonight, probably while you're asleep. You'll Wake up to the wind and rain, that's for sure. So all of these areas have the wind warning in effect. Outer coast up to 90 kilometers an hour, inner coast up to 70, and then further north, central coast and northern parts of Vancouver Island up to 100 kilometers an hour. Now, uh, as I said, it'll pick up overnight, but I think the strongest winds really will be through the morning hours. So we are expecting some power outages, especially across the northern part of Vancouver Island, and certainly some delays on the ferries uh, across... Um, over to the Sunshine Coast and Vancouver Island. Now, you'll notice that there aren't any warnings for the Lower Mainland and Victoria, but let me show you this image. These are the winds pushing in, the strongest in the purples and the pinks there. And you can see it's certainly strong and through the inland regions of the uh, Strait of Georgia, I should say, but also down near Victoria and the Southern Gulf Islands and towards White Rock. So uh, to Watson Ferries, certainly you could see some delays. Make sure you check with those, um, uh, with the BC Ferries, of course, before you head out. Now, for the lower mainland, the strongest winds, I think, will be through the early afternoon hours. The areas that will be affected will be along the coast, certainly up into the Howe Sound region, West Vancouver, but then down towards White Rock as well, and it should end late in the evening hours. There's a chance we could see some power outages, but the winds are only going to be up to about 60 kilometers an hour. Meanwhile, rain for the north coast, snow for areas like Terrace and Smithers, up to 15 centimeters. Prince George, Quinnell, Williams Lake, and over towards Vailmont, snow for you, but only 2 to 4 centimeters. And we'll see some of that snow in through the West Kootenay region as well, a good 5 centimeters before it changes over to rain. Meanwhile, the south coast, yes, wet and windy through your day tomorrow. Mild, though, at 10 degrees. And it is going to remain wet throughout the week, but temperatures are going to cool off. But certainly keep that umbrella handy. A couple of birthdays for you. Iris Waddell and Vernon Wilcox celebrating tonight. Congratulations. And another Wilcox for you tonight. A great shot of a ball. Eagle from Cowichan Bay. There you go, guys.
2: Great shot. All right, thanks, Christy.
10: Thank you, Christy. Well, a family staying
1: in a cabin in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, heard their car horn blowing outside and discovered they had a little problem. Okay, and there's Mama. Mama's like, okay, Megan, please be careful.
2: uh, A bear cub had somehow got into their unlocked car either to escape the cold or to get it some dog treats inside. I'm gonna bet it's the dog treats. The owners climbed into the car parked next to it, deciding the best course of action would be to quickly jump out and try opening the door. But it took a couple of tries.
4: You're gonna have to hurry and open the door because mama bear is, okay, go, go. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. The door didn't stay open. Okay. Oh, just hurry, babe, hurry. Okay, oh God, here he comes. Oh,
2: here
4: he comes. Oh, he's out. He's out. He's out. <laughs> okay. Don't the
2: get play out play. play. You? Luckily, no one was hurt, although the car was a little torn up, as you Jeez. can see. Officials say the bears might have wandered away from their den in a search for food. How'd he get in there? Oh, no.
1: <laughs> and an unusual police chase in Sydney, Australia. A wayward wallaby took a wrong turn and ended up on the famous sydney harbor bridge after a fruitless chase it eventually hopped off the road and was tranquilized it was taken to a wildlife hospital and treated for a few minor grazes on its face and legs it is expected to be released back into the wild
2: after a massage
10: <laughs> i was surprised the mama bear didn't come back though and I-
2: i'm surprised that mama bear stayed yeah. off a little bit there but
1: Mm-hmm.
10: Well,
2: those cars look big, maybe. I don't know. They scared her off.
1: <laughs> do you think insurance covers the damage?
2: <laughs> I hope so. What
14: kind of
1: car was it? It looked like, look like a RAV4.
14: Four. Didn't it didn't look like a Jeep. I thought it was a Jeep. Uh, I'll look back. Uh, I'm yeah, well. just trying to think of what kind of, bear, what kind of cars do bears like to drive. It would have been cool if a bear had driven away and then picked up that wallaby on his way home. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right, Squires here. i got an issue with Sweden today. i got an issue. I mean, I'm not, like, totally down on Sweden because I do have some (laughs) IKEA furniture. But I do have a bit of an issue because Canucks prospect Elias Pettersson was not asked to play for Sweden at next month's Olympic hockey tournament. Which, considering how he's been playing in their elite league, is a bit surprising. Why not take one of Sweden's top young stars? They did name defenseman Rasmus Dahlin to their Olympic team. He's not even drafted yet, although... He is a great young player. He'll be number one when the NHL draft comes up again in June. But just the same, Pedersen would have been fun for Canucks Nation to watch. There are still actually two open spots on Sweden's team. There's an outside chance he could still get in, but it doesn't seem likely they'll take Pedersen. Even though he was quite good for Sweden at the World Juniors, seven points in seven games, didn't have a great final against Canada, but so what? Scored big league goals in other games, and despite missing some league play during the World Juniors. He's still 6th in Swedish League scoring, and his team is tops in the Swedish Elite League. Too bad. Okay, we thought we'd check out this game, Islanders and Devils, because Matthew Barzell of the Islanders is now 7 points up on Brock Besser in rookie scoring. But the good news is Barzell didn't get any points tonight. I shouldn't say good news, he's a local guy. If Besser doesn't win, it'd be nice to see Barzell win. Anyway, that's a goal by Anders Lee. 26 of the year. He's had a great season so far. But this was a devil's game. Damon Severson scored two straight to make it three to one. And then Taylor Hall is coming down the right side in the two-on-one. But he's going to do it all himself. And the Devils are going to win in Brooklyn by the score of four to one. When the Canadians march into the Winter Olympics on February 9th, there will be two flag bearers, the ice dance team of Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore, who have worked together a lot, will do the same thing with the Maple Leaf. The first figure skaters to have that honor since Kurt Browning way back in 1994. And holding the flag has been a good omen because seven of the last ten flag bearers at the start of the Olympics for Canada have won medals. Five of those flag bearers won gold. And quite frankly, it would be a shock if this team didn't medal in South Korea. In fact, they are leading a team of Canadian figure skaters who could give Canada a lot of podium
8: time. Here they
0: are. Olympic champions, world champions.
8: They are the king and queen of ice dance in Canada. And when it comes to the hierarchy of the greatest figure skaters, not just in North America, but the world, Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue have to rank at or near the top. On the weekend, the dance pair delivered a skate for the ages, recording a perfect score in winning their eighth national championship for careers that have now come full circle.
11: to end our domestic career here in Vancouver and The crowds were electric, I mean it was so heartwarming to receive that response uh, at a national championships and as our send-off to the Olympic Games, um, you know, we'll cherish those cheers and that feeling in the arena uh, at UBC and and we'll take that with us on the road to PyeongChang.
6: This city's been special to us, we won our our first national title here uh, at the senior level and as you said, uh, the Olympics in 2010. uh, It's pretty special.
9: Ladies and gentlemen, here is your Canadian figure skating team for the 2018 Olympic Winter Games.
8: Canada heads into the Olympics ranked number one in the world and is sending 17 skaters to the Olympics, the largest contingent of any country. There's eight world titles mixed in this veteran group of skaters, so yes, medals in every category is a distinct possibility. But the hands-on favorites to win either gold or silver again is Virtue and Moyer, who will captain Canada and South Korea.
11: Well, we're privileged to have this opportunity at a third Olympic Games and and all the room stress that comes with it, we're embracing. You know, we welcome that because it's an honor to take the ice as Olympians and it's an honor to wear the maple leaf on our chest. And, uh, you know, those responsibilities we don't take lightly. So, of course, we have very high standards for our own skating, and, and we're trained, we're ready, so we're looking to execute the programs like we know we can, and um, we hope to make Canada proud.
14: I always say more when I see him, but it's Moyer, I know, I always seem to want to say more for some reason. Anyway, Moyer is going to meddle yep. with Bertie, there you go. Oh, uh, speaking of Canadians, uh, Milos Ronic last night, our time, at the Australian Open, Said he just wasn't feeling like he was still in good shape. Remember, he had the wrist surgery last year. Says he didn't lose to uh, Lucas Latchko because he was hurting. He just didn't feel like he was in good shape. So he was knocked out in four sets in round one of the Aussie Open. Uh, I had to show you this last night. Chris Paul returns to the uh, L.A. Clippers after a, well, doesn't return to the Clippers. Returns to play against the Clippers after six years. There he left for Houston. And he and Blake Griffin never liked each other during those six years. Can you tell? Elbows being thrown. Then Griffin ran into Mike D'Antoni, the coach of the Rockets. They started yelling at each other. Then after the game, allegedly, Rocket players, including Chris Paul, tried to break into the Clippers dressing room to fight. But the uh, security got them away from the dressing room. I should mention uh, Dennis Shapovalov is playing Joe Songer right now. Shapovalov won the first set at the Good. Aussie Open.
12: Conditions on the mountains: Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 182, Grouse 225, Cypress 231, and Sasquatch 225. Revelstoke with a base of 180 centimeters, Manning Park 123, Powder King 173, and Mount Washington 105. Big White with two new centimeters of snow and a base of 183, Silver Star 168, Sun Peaks 137, and Apex 157.
10: Coming up on ET Canada, Hollywood stars in support and against director Woody Allen. Behind the scenes with Reese and Oprah in a wrinkle in time, plus Kim Kardashian, baby news. Oh yeah, guys, we've got it all. Coming up at 7, right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie.
2: Sounds good. Thank you, Cheryl. Doctors are always telling us the key to good health well into our senior years is exercise.
10: In central
1: BC, Virginia Hoover is living proof that's true even if your exercise is hurling yourself off high platforms.
6: Virginia Hoover has always loved the feeling of flying since the age of 12. Now 77, Virginia is still launching herself from platforms and into water. All my life, whenever I got a chance to go to a pool, I would just dive in and climb out, dive in and climb out. I wasn't interested in swimming across lengths or anything like that. Virginia lives in the village of Telqua. Once a month, she drives over four and a half hours to the nearest diving tower, located in Prince George. Well, there is a dive I would still like to learn, but it's unlikely I will now. I'm at the stage where I'm having to give up some of my dives because I don't have the the push to get high enough off the boards anymore. In the sport of diving, one of the goals is to avoid the big splash when entering the water. However, she is known to draw some attention.
14: I notice it when we go to leave. It's when I really notice who's been watching and whatnot. That there are people standing up in the hot tub that have been watching apparently the entire time and...
6: Staying active in your older years can improve your physical, mental, and emotional well being. For Virginia Hoover, when it comes to staying fit, she dives right in. Dave Branco, CKPG News.
10: I'm surprised okay. they haven't asked for helmets on those guys. Okay. Oh, my goodness.
2: There <laughs> was a gasp in these two That last here. dive
14: was a little too close for my oh, liking. Was yeah. awesome. It
10: was like, She
1: seemed okay with it.